This episode of the MGMA podcast is brought to you by Walmart Business. It's the Walmart you love, now for business. Get everything you need for your staff and patients in one place. Enjoy big savings on health and safety products, cleaning supplies, over-the-counter medications, and much more. And don't forget the break room snacks. Create a free account today and start shopping at business.walmart.com. That's business.walmart.com. From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. When we keep thinking that throwing bodies at problems is the answer, it's never the answer. Or we think that I have to have an all-in-one cloud or I have to have online scheduling. You don't have to have any of that. What you have to have first is if you bill a dollar and you expect 96 cents and you get 90, or in my case, I see a lot of our new clients who are collecting 55 cents, 50 cents, where's that money? One, do you understand the importance of knowing where that money is? And two, do you want to collect it? Right? If the answer is yes, yes, where is it? So it's that online scheduling is not going to solve that problem. A better waiting room experience is not going to solve that problem. That's Matt Seafeld talking about staffing issues and the revenue cycle. We'll hear more from Matt in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors. Recognizing that staffing is the biggest challenge heading into 2022 for medical practices, MGMA is offering a five-hour virtual seminar on Thursday, December 16th to discuss strategies for flourishing despite those staff shortages. You'll leave this seminar with a list of ideas and solutions that you can implement immediately. This seminar is free to MGMA members and non-members may attend, but will pay $4.99. This event is Thursday, December 16th at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Go to mgma.com slash events and click on Solutions for Practice Staffing Shortages to register today. It's time to take a closer look at how you run your business. Metavolve can help you find solutions to the following questions. Are you overstaffed in your medical billing department? Do you know where physician, your physician practice is losing money? Can you easily benchmark your data against similar practices? If you don't know the outcomes your staff are producing every day, you aren't operating successfully. Go to metavolve.com for solutions today. Our guest today is Matt Seafeld. Matt is Executive Vice President at Metavolve. He's also founder of My Life Link. Matt is here today to discuss, among other things, how workflow automation can transform your revenue cycle management. Matt, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. I always love talking with you all. Yeah, it, it's great to have you back on the show. We had you on a couple of years ago, so thanks for joining. and. Just to update everybody, you are currently, let's make sure I have this right, Executive Vice President, Head of Revenue Cycle at Metavolve. Is that still accurate? 
You know, it is. Yeah, I, uh, I oversee all of our RCM services, uh, although I've been lucky I brought on a senior vice president recently to take that day to day. I say burden loosely off of me, but it's revenue cycle. So if any of you, your listeners are running a revenue cycle, they'll know what I mean. And then I also do run all of our workflow automation teams and our data science teams, which I know is a big topic of, uh, of GMA, uh, the podcast and then the webinar I recently did. For sure. So and sales and marketing, but you know, I kind of put those guys on the side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks uh, for sharing that with us. So give us an idea then. What are you, uh, I know you just were talking about uh, appointing some new people to take some of the duties off of your plate. So where has been your major area of focus? So my major area of focus is actually uh, really working deep with our data science team and building out much more uh, structure around that to focus on this concept. Uh, we call it the EIQ, but effective intelligence quotient, which is basically algorithms that will drive uh, insights, immediate real-time insights into how effective each person is in your revenue cycle doing work, uh, as well as where you're leaving money on the table. Um, I've learned over the years that access to data is one thing access to intelligence is totally different a lot of folks think they have access to intelligence but they don't they, they have access to canned reports they've got to do pivot tables they've got to try to triangulate and i've also learned is, is that pm systems out there don't capture the structured data necessary to drive algorithms you know we've had to actually build our own workflow automation system that can plug into any pm because we got to capture more information on what these folks are doing in revenue cycle, right? You know, and this kind of will go into when we talk more about labor shortages and reducing labor dependence. But the whole EIQ is, is really my 2022 plan. Um, it's, you know, it's something I've done. I've done revenue cycle for 21 years. You know, I, I've built more workflow automation systems over my career, analytic systems, consulting for many, many years. So problems are still the same. You know, and, and whether, you know, identifying who's effective and who's not is still a challenge, you know, and right now you can't afford to lose an effective person, nor can you afford to keep a non-effective person, right? It's, it's this battle and people misinterpret effectiveness and productivity. Well, 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 John's productive. Is he? <laughs> go, yeah, yeah. He works 50 planes a day. Okay. What's the outcome John gets? Right. That's a different story. Yeah, you know, it's a different storyline. And so, you know, we know as a as a company that supports, we have our own revenue cycle business too, is we have to really focus on how I stay lean, right? And effective for our clients, right? Maximizing that net revenue. That is fascinating. I didn't even think about it that way. I love that you <laughs> look at it from an effectiveness quotient versus a productive one. Yeah. And uh we're going to talk about that in more detail here in just a minute. So let's just talk about that, uh, I guess, the 800-pound gorilla in the room, whatever it is. And we're really talking a little bit about staffing. And you hit some good points that we realize that there's staffing shortages, not only in healthcare, but across the spectrum of, of you know, employment, the workforce everywhere. And we're all fighting to make sure we have you know, you hear a lot, well, we're understaffed, but I love what you brought into it was, yeah, but I mean, you could bring people in and it's, not, they're not productive. They're not effective uh, employees as well. So we're, you're taking it to another level of actually bringing in um, good, solid 
effective and productive employees as well. But I want you to talk about first, just talk about some of those pain points right now when you're talking to practices about this labor shortage. What are you hearing? What are you seeing out there? Yeah, so it's, you know, we have firsthand experience because we do have our own revenue cycle services business. But I was actually on a call with a, a very large orthopedic client of ours up in the Northeast. And, you know, we were joking around a little bit. You know, I had a we had an AR rep just decide she didn't like being held accountable this morning and just got up and walked out. Wow. Walked right out. Right. So now I got, you know, quickly scramble to figure out, you know, who's going to take her accounts and, and all that. And I mentioned it to this group up in the Northeast and they immediately said, we've had the same thing. We, we're having a terrible time trying to find people. They're not even in, you know, in the realm yet of effective, right? It's trying to find people. And so, um, and then maintaining people, right? You know, so I haven't talked to any of our clients, especially the large ones that say that they've got staffing recruiting and retention under control right now. I think the other variable that's playing is, is that this whole work from anywhere culture, whether we like it or not, is real. And that goes for revenue cycle too. Those days of cubicles and a centralized business office are over as far as I'm concerned. You're gonna have a very difficult time recruiting in your zip code to make folks come right into the office, right? And, 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 and maybe the best, most effective person isn't in your zip code. Maybe they're out of state, right? So we're doing a bunch of our recruiting now out of state. I mean, if I've got a great effective person in Ohio, again, I can measure how effective they are in real time with our, our software, you know, then I'm going to recruit in Ohio, right? And so, so you know, the labor shortages are not going to change. Um, I, I don't know, you know, folks decided after the pandemic that, you know, we're going to create a more utilitarian life and we're going to hit the road like Jack Kerouac and we're going to, you know, see the sights and, you know, spend more time with family. I don't know where the paychecks and you know, how they're going to support because inflation, right? Five to 7% increase in groceries and everything else. But I don't think that's going to change in the, in the next 18 months. And so you have this perfect storm of having difficulty finding people. So instead of, so I want to shift around and say, do you need those people? Mm -hmm. And this is where people, I have a client right now, a large, large client that thinks they're short 10 people. And I challenged him. I said, why do you think that? Are you? Are you short? What if you're actually overstaffed by five? And he's like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> you know, and this is a, re a new client. So, you know, we're, we're building our data set with them. And, you know, and shortly we'll be able to start showing the effective employees versus not. But do you need the labor? Right. So this is where automation comes in. You know, if you look at a basic example like account receivable, I can tell you with confidence that anywhere from 75 to 85 percent of claims on the open ER today on the insurance side don't need to be looked at. But yet people keep looking at. Right. And that doesn't mean tomorrow they may not. Right. Tomorrow you may get a denial comes in and it may qualify for a workflow workflows. But why, why staff for, for everything when you only need to staff for 15, 20 percent? And, and so. You know, you, ha you have to, people have to understand is that whether you're looking at the front office, I call financial clearance, your pre-registration, or you're looking at mid-cycle, which is your charge entry coding, or you're looking at back office, you know, which is your AR management, credit balance management, underpayments, uh, and payment posting. Every one of those areas have people that are being paid to do a duty. And and that's that's really, you know, where I find that, that every PM system out there fails. Our PM system failed at it, which is why we had to build this new fully integrated cloud system over the last two years. 
is it tracking the unit of work that every one of those people is doing and asking a simple question, did the outcome meet your expectation? Was it what you expected? Ideally, financially, <laughs> was it what you expected? And if not, why? But you have to have access to not just PM data, you have to have access to structured data that's not in PMs, right? This is, this is uh, end user driven data. You know, what activity did you do? Well, I called the insurance company. What did they tell you? Well, it was denied for medical records. What did you do about it? Right, and then start to measure that. You know, why is it taking you 1.7 touches to get a positive financial outcome, but yet your peer over here does it in 1.2? And so, you know, you just can't get that from from a, a you know a, a standard report in a PM system, right? Because PM EMR companies are focused on patient engagement and the employee. You know, they're focused on the front end. They're focused on clinical utility and e-prescribing and telehealth. Guess who gets left behind? all the people and the process and tech that gets you paid what you're supposed to be paid on time. And when that doesn't happen, it'll tell you why in seconds. For 21 years, Dan, I've pounded my head against the desk. I know nobody <laughs> the video right now, but I'm literally mimicking that because I don't understand how we can be so good at clinical outcomes, but so bad at financial outcomes. Right. But when we keep thinking that throwing bodies at problems is the answer, it's never the answer. Or we think that I have to have an all-in-one cloud or I have to have online scheduling. You don't have to have any of that. What you have to have first is if you bill a dollar and you expect 96 cents and you get 90, or in my case, I see a lot of our new clients who are collecting 85 cents, 80 cents, where's that money? One, do you understand the importance of knowing where that money is? And two, do you want to collect it? Right? If the answer is yes, and yes, then where is it? So it's that mm-hmm. online scheduling is not going to solve that problem. A better waiting room experience is not going to solve that problem. So solve that first, right? And then we start to work at all these other innovative technologies. But I can't tell you how many large clients that we bring on board, especially recently, who have all these other plans in 2022. Well, I'm going to, this vendor did this, and I saw this vendor did this. And I'm like, look, those all sound great. But that's not getting you a 96 cents on the dollar, right? So let's get you there and then decide, okay, if I install this vendor, will I reduce labor? Or will I get 97 cents on the dollar? Right. And I know I'm breaking it into kind of rudimentary terms, but this is where revenue cycles have to focus now. And, and we don't have the luxury anymore. You know, when deductibles kept going up, I kept telling folks, you don't have the luxury. Half your dollars coming from the consumer now. Insurance is paying you less. You know, you can't afford to write off a penny in, in, in denials, bad debt or administrative write offs when it comes to things. But yet they do. And now you have pandemic where two months, you know, OR shut down. And they go back. Now we got another variant coming in. Hopefully it doesn't shut ours down. But you know, you're gonna have a cyclical nature now up and down of, of revenue changes. So how do you support if you have a fixed cost model of labor and you're swinging 10, 15% ups and drops, how do you how do you flex for that? You know, mm-hmm. which is also why we're seeing a ton of clients trying to get us to take on revenue cycle. You know, it's like, hey, can you do it? And my answer is uh, not right now. Because I'm having trouble finding people, you know. Right. It's you know, it's it, it, it's it's just a sign of the times. I've seen and I've really seen this accelerate again in the last six months. I've really seen this this like I think I'm ready to outsource, and I think it's and I know it's all stemming from the fact that people can't identify who's effective and who's not, and they can't and they can't recruit because these people aren't out there. And and, and folks are changing jobs so fast. Right. I mean, my lord, I mean, we've had like a revolving door come in for three months and then they decide they want to go 
work for Amazon or they want to go to Starbucks or they want to go somewhere else because of whatever reason. Sometimes it's not, I don't want to work at Metaball anymore. It's just, oh, I saw this other opportunity, so I jumped on. Yeah. So the loyalty factor. And, and at some point before we close, I, I want to introduce the concept of incentive-based revenue cycle because I think that's really something that our, and I guess we could really introduce it right this minute, but, but I mean, that this is the concept of if you have access to structured data that tells the story of effective intelligence for your labor pool, then reimburse them for that. Let them share in the financial success of that. And that doesn't mean a pizza party once a month. Right. You could do gamification. You could you could give them, you know, it could be a point system and they could go out and, and purchase goods and services, you know, but but you're not just giving it to them because you think they're a good employee. You're giving it to them because you can prove they're a good employee. Right. And and and, and this is, again, another area I've seen over 20 plus years and nobody focuses on that. You know, you're making 18 bucks an hour. It's like if you're effective at your job this month, you could actually make twenty five dollars an hour. Is that interesting to you? I mean, you got Christmas around the corner. I mean, you don't think anyone will be like, so all I have to do is just make sure that the work I do gets the outcome that is expected and I'm going to get three, four, five, ten dollars more now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a, right, it seems like a mind blowing, right? Oh yeah. my gosh, that's a crazy concept. It's not a crazy concept. Like every tons of other industries figured this out. I mean, but healthcare wants to keep, you know, living in this kind of dinosaur age when it comes to revenue cycle management. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to make our audience aware. So recently you spoke on this topic and in an MGMA webinar, it was titled workflow automation to transform your revenue cycle management amid staff shortages. That's what you've been talking about. I want to let uh, our listeners know this webinar is currently on demand at MGMA.com slash events. Um, I'm also going to provide a direct link to that webinar in the show notes here and just remind people it's a free webinar it offers acmpe and ceu credits and matt you go much much deeper into this topic um in that webinar uh but for the purposes here i mean you've kind of you you mentioned it a minute ago this might be mind-blowing you you have kind of blown my mind here and so <laughs> i want to circle back to something that you said about the difference between an effective employee and a productive employee and that you've got the tools you've you've got ability to measure that so talk about that what is that difference and first of all just tell us what that difference is in, between effective and productive and take a little deeper dive into that and then let's look at some of the tools on how you come about uh being able to me measure that and make that difference yeah yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that, you know, productivity obviously is important, you know, if you're only working a claim a day, you're only entering one charge a day, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. But but I think people get lost in the, it's, it's about productivity. They don't actually, it's kind of like you don't know what you don't know. So there's never been a way for PM systems to give you the effectiveness, right, in our case, effectiveness quotient, right? Because they just didn't capture enough of the structured data to tell that story, or it was an analytics issue, right? They weren't able to tap in. It was standard reporting. They didn't have data science teams. Lots of different reasons there. And, and so folks don't really know how to find what effective is. And I spoke at three or four conferences this year, different specialties, and I've talked obviously about this a lot. Um, they don't know what data needs to be pulled or even how they would capture it because they can't do it in their native PM system. 
Okay. Right. We couldn't do it. I came on board five years ago, almost to the uh, day with Metavolf. And over the last three years, I've really had to transform the business. I had to come in and say, okay, we were just a PM company that had an RCM insurance business. Like, okay, line me up against a thousand competitors, right? All of which have more marketing budgets than I do. A lot more, you know, probably on scales of 10X. So what are we going to do differently? Well, one, we got to save our RCM services business. People don't necessarily know this is that when I took over RCM a couple of years ago, we were dying. We were, were no margin. We were losing money. And as a privately owned company that doesn't have a backing from private equity or venture capital, I mean, we rely on our cash from Recycle to fund the R&D on the tech side of the business. So this was a real concern. So instead of trying to throw bodies at problems, right, I did what I've done over 20 years. And I just said, well, let's look at the PM and let's look at the gaps there. And sure enough, it's like every other PM out there. We didn't have good work cues. We didn't have good ways to drive work to people. We didn't have good ways to capture structured data that tells that story of effectiveness. And so we, that's what we've done the last year. So we're, we've incubated all this tech I'm talking about in our own world, our own RevCycle world, which in turn is works. And now we're getting into the 50, 100, 150 plus provider groups because, because it, those are the ones who are like, oh my gosh, I have to have this. You know, I have to have this for a centralized business office, or maybe they're owned by private equity now, and you've got these private equity firms who keep adding clients, but there's no scalability, there's no technology can overlay on top of multiple PMs, right? So, so I think that was a long way of answering is that productivity was easier. And by the way, a lot of PMs says, I can't even track that, you know, mm -hmm. that, that also amazes me. If I were to say, hey, how many charges did Stellion are in? How many charts were coded by Bob? And how many claims were worked by, by Ed? A lot of them can't even tell you that. Forget about it. So effectiveness is just so far off. Most folks don't even know to look at it. That's why we're trying to simplify this concept around effective intelligence because one, it's a topic that's been around for a long time in other industries. Nobody seems to be applying those principles to healthcare, which is what we're, we're starting to do. Um, and then the second component to your question is around structured data, right? Is that when you think about data analytics, like I have a full data warehousing team. I mean, I, two years ago, we didn't, I have a data science team with smart people, you know, that are like, know how to go in and look at AI and look at machine learning and look at algorithms and how that applies to certain principles. Um, again, every other industry seems to be figuring this out. Provider groups seem to be lagging behind. And so we've invested a lot in that resource and I would say it's still probably going to be our number one spend next year is around our data science teams even more so than development mm -hmm. so that shows me I'm investing this company's investing in being able to grab structured data and tell a story quickly on whether you're effective or not and that includes your revenue cycle by the way. You know, we're talking a lot about labor but if I can tell you in three seconds the three areas of your revenue cycle that need improvement which to get you that 96 cents on the dollar I'd say it's a win right and so the effective intelligence is, it applies to, to your revenue cycle as well. But it's the structured data, you know? And, you know, our, our company, we went ahead and built everything in the cloud because it's just easy, it's browser-based, it's fully integrated to our PM. Um, but then you can bolt it on to other PMs, you know? It doesn't have to be. I mean, people get lost in, in the, the, I believe, in this, this concept of all-in-one. They get lost in, well, I have to have this fully integrated. You really don't. Like a work driver is a work driver. Work driver tells me what you want me to do. The structured data that I have to put in will tell the story of financial outcome or effectiveness. Don't make it more complicated. Than that, you know, um, it's it's that easy. You know, but but then again, you've got to have the work drivers, right? The workflow automation tools to capture that data that data science teams can grab and develop off of. You know, and it's PM data too. You know, um, 
we, you know, we make available, I mean, we basically are, I mean, I don't want to say we're a data warehousing company, but we basically become a data warehousing company in the sense that I can pull data from any structured system, right? I can pull it from a PM, I can pull it from a e-statement vendor, I can pull it from a call center ACD, I can pull it from structured data in a workflow suite. What all that does is it gets put into a centralized warehouse, which then we can overlay our business intelligence solution on and start to build that that intelligence, that, that effectiveness quotient. Uh, so um, any listeners out there right now that are feel like their data is being held hostage need to have a heart to heart with their PMEMR company. It's not acceptable. And frankly, even if that company is hosting them, it's still not acceptable. I, I can't tell you how many clients that I've run into, they're not clients or prospects that say, oh, I'm with this EMR PM, but they don't let us have access to anything. We'd have to go through this other channel. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. It's your data. It's our system. It's your data. What do you mean you don't have access to it? But it does. And these are large groups. Mm -hmm. I said, you're not a two-doc shop. You're a 250-doc shop. And you don't have access to data. You don't have a data science department. You don't have decision support team. It's difficult. Yeah. So... We were talking offline before this about uh, the KPIs that you see are most important in tracking this type of data, of looking for that effectiveness versus productivity and really going inside the numbers, so to speak. So what are those KPIs that you're most interested in? Yeah, so I think on the labor side, I mean, I, and I've said this a few times and I'll, I'll say it again, is, is it's, it's really understanding touches and how many touches it takes to get it done right. And, 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 you know, when you think of uh, putting charges in or coding, you know, what if half of the charges that I put in hit an edit? What did I do wrong, right? What was upstream of me? Um, there's a concept out there that, you know, clean claim pass rate gets thrown around all the time. It's like, oh, 98%, 97%. It's like, but when I look at clean claim pass rate, it's not just you didn't hit an edit. So my world at Metaball is you were scheduled, you were seen, your charge was entered, it was coded, it was billed, it was paid, and it's now zero balance and nobody touched it. Nobody touched it. You know, so like for us, it's fair. I just ran ours again. I looked at ours, you know, we're right around 87%. So I'm like 87% of the charges that go out, I don't have to have labor worrying about it. Now the 13%, I got to figure that out, right? How do I get that 13 to 10? To seven, but that's where analytics and data science come in, right? It's like, why, why did I have to touch it? Is it, is it an employee issue? Is it, these two coders keep making coding errors, and therefore they're hitting edits in our clearinghouse, and they're not going out or getting first pass denials for coding charge entry, or is it a client? You know, coding uh, COB eligibility. You say you verify eligibility, but you're not because I'm getting you know 22% of my denials. I actually a real stat: 52% of our, our denials that we see come through Prototype are actually front office breakdowns. You know, and so, like, you know, when I look at that, that how many touches does it take to get the outcome you expect? And that means everybody's included in that, you know, and at some point it has to be also to the physician. Is that if you're, if you're doing things that are generating medical necessity denials and documentation denials, then you need to be educated to in a an objective, non-emotional way with data, right? To say, hey, if you change your behavior here, you're going to get paid faster and you're gonna get paid what you expect. Um, and that comes into your net collection rate. 
I think the actionable work versus non-actionable is another metric, right? And so when I look at our AR teams, because I capture structured data, I can tell you that 30%, I'm going to call myself out, 30% of the work that my folks are doing is not actionable. There's, the ball is not moving down the field. So now what our data science teams are looking at is why do these claims keep showing up? Why are these claims showing up that didn't require action? And what can we do about it through, you know, through an algorithm to carve those out, right? Or is it a staff quality issue in that they're not doing action, but there was something you can do. So I always tell a metric I love is exhausted claims, is that every system should have, none of them do. <laughs> That's the theme for me here. I'm sure all of our competitors will be like, I can't believe you're saying that. I have everything. <laughs> but <clears throat> exhausted claims. Like how many claims on your open AR today have been touched more than five times, more than seven times? No, no financial outcome, no pain. Nobody can answer that. Do you know nobody, and I joked at the, on the MGMA webinar, nobody can even answer to me how many claims on the open AR haven't been worked or haven't been worked in the last 60, 90, 120 plus days. Like how is that possible? You're, you, know, you got $20 million in AR and you can't answer these questions in real time. That's metrics you have to have access to. And you can hear the passion of my voice because this is all I've done. I've spent my entire career trying to say, and I, I guess I made the mistake and then I started with consulting. And the first firm I started with, Stock Camp, was all about measure to improve. He embedded into us, if you cannot automate it and measure it, measure it you cannot improve off of it. And I've taken that science all the way through my career and been disappointed every single time I come into a new situation. And it's like, here we go. I got a fourth, the fourth time I've had to build a workflow system. Fourth time. I joke with Metavolve when my time's done here. I guess I could go build another one. Like go find it, you know, I mean, I hope not. I hope PM and EMR start to figure this out. And I hope this COVID pandemic hiring, firing, not being able to find staff is a good accelerator to that. Because if you're a provider group, whether you're small, medium or large, and you're not already talking about these themes, effective intelligence, being able to look at actual, non-actual work, being able to look at exhausted claims, being able to look at true clean claim pass rates, you're not getting your 96 cents on the dollar or 97, whatever you expect. You're just not, you know? And, and so this is really, really important. Uh, the last thing I will say, and this comes into a virtual workforce, is when are your staff working, right? So uh, it's amazing to me. It's like, hey, I sent all my staff home. Okay, cool. How many claims are worked between one and two? How many charges got put in between four and five on Tuesdays? Why's Friday drop off so much? Why is Sally clocking out at 5 p.m., but the last work unit she has is 2 p.m. What's she doing for those three hours? <laughs> I wish your audience could see my face. I'm like, I know. <laughs> you can't send staff home if you can't answer these questions. In real time, it's got to be right there in your face. How do you manage that? You can't. Uh, and again, this all comes back to two things, right? It's my triangle. And on the MGMA presentation, for those of you that will watch, you'll see my triangle slide, right? You bill a gross charge, which is the top of the triangle. The bottom left is your labor cost. And the bottom right is your net revenue. It's your net collection rate. And the whole goal here is margin. And the lower your labor cost and the higher net revenue is, guess what? Your margin is maximized. And that's what we're trying to focus on here is you've got to, got to stay focused on margin because no margin, no mission. And I, I had a provider the other day said, the reason I love your style is that I think if this all works, I can retire five years early. That's, that's was his whole motivator on getting this all solved, which he didn't want to have to work to 60, 65. He's like, I made, I made my money because I wasn't writing off avoidable things for 10 years. I can, I can go hang out. I can go surf, you know, whatever. I'm like, hang out with my grandkids, you know. 
So uh, those are some metrics. I know in that webinar, we talk a lot about other measures that are out there. I think there's tons of good key performance indicators out there. I think the challenge with these PM, those PM companies is that they're either static reports or they require the end user to modify and put things together to tell the story. Like I always say, if you're doing pivot tables, stop. You don't need to do that. I mean, honestly, the reason I started my first workflow analytics company was I left consulting because I was tired of doing static pivot tables once a month to figure out where my problems were. Like, what, what, you can't act on that. That's like, that's like saying, hey, I've got bullets flying. I had this well laid out plan to get from A to B, but it's going to take seven days to get intel on where the enemy is. What do I do? You know? So, you know, I think that that's, that's definitely a big piece. Um, you know, the one, one other area I'll just mention too around automation uh, is, is around the self-pay piece. It's amazing to me how provider groups are still not leveraging mobile text and email to solicit responses from patients, especially around bills. Um, I can't tell you how many clients, especially in some surgical specialties like urology, give me the excuse of my patients are older, they'll never do it. We recently took a huge client live that had that argument, I won't name them, 45 to 50% of their payments are coming through through mobile text and, and or email before the first paper statement goes out. They're not paying 71 cents. And all of a sudden this money starts coming and they're like, oh my God, I, I don't even know. I mean, so we, we, we actually built all this into our native PM to be able to actually do this two-way communication with patients because we see that as a huge opportunity and the deductible season about to reset. How do you intend collect the money that you're owed, especially in the electrosurgical market, right? If you're in an emergency room, I get that. But a lot of the MGMA folks, I mean, you know these patients are coming in. This is not just trauma and urgent, right? These are folks who are like, I've got a knee, a hip, I've got something going on urologically, ophthalmology-wise, dermatology-wise. You've got to secure that payment prior to service, or at least get them on a payment plan or credit card on file. And then for the stuff that's through, how do you engage with that patient to collect what you're owed? I'm amazed when I look at the number of patients that are being seen by our revenue cycle clients that still owe money, millions of dollars. If I were to look at December and January right now, I won't because it'll depress me. It's probably millions of dollars that are going to be walking through the door of past due balances. So you're seeing people again for free. It's like, you can't do that nowadays. You can't do that ever, but you can't do that nowadays, especially with the pressures of revenue cycle. Okay. Well, I, you, you, you put a lot out there, Matt, and I, I, yeah. your, the passion in your voice comes through for sure. And I do wish the audience could see your face because you're yeah. very animated talking about this and it's awesome to see that passion. And so I do want to switch gears based on that um, because this has been an emotionally charged time, a stressful time these last 20 months or so. I've asked a lot of guests uh, who've come on the podcast what they've done to find some kind of work-life balance. So what is, what's it been like for you, Matt? What have you done to just find something that brings you passion outside of RevCycle, um, that you enjoy, that you get outside, whatever you do to bring some passion to your life? Yeah, absolutely. And I look, I know there's exposure here. So I've got to say, you know, one of the biggest things I focused on uh, the last uh, few years is, is uh, the community that I built called My MyLifeLink, which is a free mobile app uh, that helps those suffering from emotional, physical and behavioral addiction connect with each other in a virtual way. 
to really start to see the possibility that they can transform their lives into something extraordinary, something, something that they are proud of. And, and I say that from firsthand experience. I actually just had my fourth year of continuous sobriety myself. Um, well, congratulations I, on that. So, so when you, yeah. when you, thank you. So when you, when you talk about work-life balance, you know, I throw myself into service work now, right? My, and what I do there, obviously through the, the, the addiction community, but I've got young kids, right? I coach teams. I coach a high school track. I, I, I obviously have hobbies, surfing. I live, I'm looking out the ocean here, you know, surfing, you know, get healthy exercise, um, just connecting with others, you know, connecting with others and, and, and trying to find ways to help inspire. You know, this world's crazy right now. We're talking about, you know, and that's not a pun that's not intended there, that we've got so many things that are going on in our lives that have nothing to do with the revenue cycle, right? And if I look at even the labor forces that are out there of the of, of, of MGMA clients, like a lot of those people are also suffering from things, right? And, and how do we make sure that it's okay to talk about this stuff, right? How do we make sure people understand that, you know, if we allow emotion to drive our, our feelings, right, that we could end up in some bad habits, you know, which could turn into a, a downstream situation. So I look at like the stresses that are going on in the world today. And I know that if everyone took a little bit more time to be of service to somebody else and, and not so focused on self, that's where you see healing begin, right? I, I talk about it's the self, self to other and other, other. So my goal when I wake up is I got to take care of myself healthy wise, but in so doing, I can actually help others and I can inspire those others to in turn help others. And this is where it grows. So, you know, work-life balance is important. You know, I, I decide what's going to get into my stressor. You know, I, I take life with a lot more ease today than I did four years ago, you know, and 10 years ago. I'm still passionate about these topics because I love this industry and I, and I want to see this industry successful. And frankly, this is the industry that takes care of all of us too, right? You know, we all go to the doctor and it's, it, it's insanity to me that, that they're not bringing in what they're supposed to be bringing in and, and they're not recognizing the employees who are effective, right? And employees and, and all those things. So, you know, I love working with you guys, whether I'm on stage at a conference or doing podcasts or webinars. I mean, MGMA, I've been involved with MGMA for um, my entire career in one form or fashion. And so I just appreciate the time to, with you, Dan. And, and anytime you guys want to hear someone you're passionate about something, you know, yeah, you can, yeah. we know you where to go. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and again, if any listeners out there are suffering, you know, from addiction or they know, know folks that are, you know, I'm not trying to put a, a necessary plug in there, but there's, there's community out there. We have thousands of people all over the world that are getting healthy and it's, it's amazing to see. Well, that's uh, what, that, yeah. yeah. I wanted to ask you if you don't mind repeating the name of the organization and if there's a website where people could go, because this is the holidays are a particular time mm -hmm. where that is a struggle for people, even more so than other times of the year. That's statistically proven. So, yeah, if there's a name yeah. and a website, please share that with us. Yeah. So you can go on the app stores, Apple or Google and search for my life link. Um, and we'll pop up or you can go to mylifelinkapp.com and it can take you to the, the links to the store, but it's free. It'll always be free. And you nailed it. I was actually, I go on the news quite a bit here in San Diego and I was just on a week and a half ago talking about the holidays and the challenge with the holidays. And, and it's, it's a tough time of year, you know, when it we're is. surrounded by all of this fancy glitter and trees and happiness and commercialization of, of the holidays. It's, it's not that way for a lot of people. 
I spent many, many years in that, in that world, you know, until I, until I had my spiritual bottom and recognized that I had the possibility to transform and I could start to focus on others, you know, which in my case were really my sons and my, my wife and family, you know, which then turned into my life link and all these other great things that have been a part of it. So no reason to suffer. Um, there's things that are out there, you know, and, and the one thing I love about that community is the fact that we all understand exactly where you're at. You know, nobody can come to me and be like, oh, you don't understand where I'm at. I'm like, I know exactly where you're at because seven years ago or whatever, I was there. Right. I was there. I feel it. Yeah. So, well, Matt, thank, yeah. thank you so much for sharing that, sharing that side of your life, being vulnerable and transparent about it. And uh, thanks for sharing. It's almost a, a bad segue, but also thank you for talking about uh, RepCycle as well. But, you know, okay. it's all part of life. And so whether you have that passion, you know, in the personal life, it's important to have it, you know, in the work life as well. So they can blend together and you can be a fully, you know, realized human being and not be suffering out there as you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I think if, if I close with anything, you know, if somebody's on the payroll eight hours a day, I would take four hours of effective work and allowing them to do four hours of personal care over eight hours of just trying to be productive. You know what I mean? So, so there's also that, that outcome, when you're getting the outcomes in the work that you're doing, you have more time to do the things that you need to do. And especially with the work at home now, look, I mean, we're all home. I've got kids. I, you know, my wife and I have had to like, Hey, can you grab carpool? Ah, uh, yeah, you know, I'm not flying as much as I used to. So we get, you know, can you do soccer practice today? I can. Okay, I can't do basketball. Can you do it? Right. So I'm not alone. I mean, if you're to pull every revenue cycle person out there, they're having the same things. So allow them to have their freedom to take care of family and themselves. And, and you know, but recognize, you know, you're also paying them to be effective. So you have to have ways to measure that and then reward those that are. You know, seems simple to me, but it's not, yeah. it's revenue cycle. <laughs> all right matt well thank you so much for joining the podcast again it's always great catching up with you yep you have a great holiday uh, and i'm sure we'll talk after the, the first of the year we will all right all matt. right take, take care bye-bye well that's going to do it for this episode of insights thanks to our guest matt seafeld and thanks to MGMA.com Events and to Metavolve for sponsoring this week's show. If you don't know the outcomes your staff are producing every day, you aren't operating successfully. And Metavolve can help you find solutions to the biggest problems medical practices face. Go to Metavolve.com to learn about these solutions today. And MGMA is offering a five-hour virtual seminar on Thursday, December 16th, beginning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, to discuss the biggest staffing problems medical practices face. You'll leave this seminar with a list of ideas and solutions you can implement immediately. The seminar is free to MGMA members. Non-members may attend, but for a fee of $4.99. Go to mgma.com slash events and click on Solutions for Practice Staffing Shortages to register today. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com. 
Or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com membership. Thanks. The popular buzzword we've been seeing everywhere is AI. But what we all want to know is how we can implement and use it to our advantage. When it comes to improving margins, accelerating cash flow, and optimizing staff performance, there's a one-stop shop using cloud-based predictive analytics. MGMA Analytics is your AI-enabled tool that upscales technology you've already been paying for, so you can silo your disparate systems and make data-backed business decisions. Visit mgma.com analytics and see how AI can revolutionize your finances and operations. Again, visit mgma.com analytics today.